What's going on, Rough Golfers? Welcome back to another episode of the Rough Golf Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Harris. Thank you so much for joining me today. Episode number 4-0. It's a big episode because we've got Live Golf, the PGA Tour, DP World Tour, all the heavy hitters merging into one. One ring to bind them. And that ring is professional golf. Okay, so we've got Live Golf, PGA Tour, DP World Tour, all jumping into the same boat. They are going to merge. And who knows what that will look like once all the dust settles. But I'm so glad to hear that they put down the court cases. We can put down the hate speech between Live Golf fans and PGA Tour fans and just come together and enjoy professional golf as it should be. More golf out there in the world for more people to enjoy, no matter what the flavor is, guys. Okay, who cares? Just enjoy it for what it is. Let's stop the bickering, all right? I'm sorry I'm a little bit late on getting this episode out. I actually took a little vacation with my lovely wife to Baltimore, Maryland, and enjoyed some delicious seafood called an Orioles game. They did not win, but they performed admirably. I mean, 20 runs in a 20 total runs in the, the game between the uh, Orioles and the Guardians. Um, you know, I was surprised. I was I was stay until the end. I stayed until they finished the last out, but wasn't in the cards for him. I just I love watching uh, professional baseball in a stadium. There's just nothing like it. Okay, the the bad food, the atmosphere, the crowd. It's just fantastic. And I think that's something that Live Golf brought to professional golf on a whole. You know, you're pumping up the crowd. You're getting them involved. You're allowing them to you know be more. Uh, have more of an interaction with the professional sport of golf, and that's a good thing. So this merger that Live Golf, the PGA Tour, has announced, and, and I'm not trying to discredit the DP World Tour. I'm just lumping them in with the PGA Tour because we all know about their little arrangement. But all three of these big, bad tours are now merging into one, and who knows what this is going to look like. I am super excited. I can say that I'm super excited about hearing this news. Now, uh, just yesterday, so that would be uh, June 6th, uh, Live Golf and the PGA Tour announced that they are going to merge. Apparently, there's been whisperings whisperings that this has been uh, in the works. Of course, that's a surprise to me because Jay Monahan announced, I mean, it was like last year sometime that uh, they were never going to merge. So it's surprising how quickly things can turn uh, and, um, you know, this is good news. I think this is good news for the game of golf. Now, the public investment fund, uh, backed by Saudi Arabia, obviously will have the first right of refusal on new investments in this tour merging. So that'll be interesting to see how that works out. Of course, the, uh, what is, what it's looking like is the public investment fund is going to be a lot of the money in this new merger, but that the PGA tour will hold, um, a lot of voting power in this, uh, this merger. But, you know, it's interesting how all that will shake out. There's probably going to be some bickering back and forth, uh, but we'll leave that for the uh, boardroom members of this new golf entity, whatever. I don't even know if they're going to keep the same names, what are they going to call it? Who knows? But I'm excited about uh, what this means for the game of golf. Now, in a statement that Jay Monahan, of course, he's the PGA Tour commissioner, he put out, he said this, and I quote, Going forward, fans can be confident that we will, collectively, deliver on the promise we've always made, to promote competition of the best in professional golf, and that we are committed to securing and driving the game's future. End quote. That's a surprising statement coming from Jay Monahan, because at the start, all right, this guy seemed to abhor 
Live Golf, the creation of Live Golf, the existence of Live Golf. Any player that even remotely had thought about going to Live Golf was on Monahan's like I don't like you list. Okay, if that's a list, I don't know. Maybe who knows? But I'm sure he probably has one somewhere, doesn't everybody? But uh, you know, anything to do with Live Golf. Monahan was not a fan. He, he wanted nothing to do with it. So this merger is pretty surprising because it represents a complete 180 for his previous statements. Now, I get it. You know, if you are the, the head of a major uh, corporation job entity, then you are the, the leader, the promoter. Why would you, um, I don't know, welcome or accept another player in your sphere of, uh, of activity, your influence? You know what I mean? Why would you want that? You wouldn't, okay, because it's going to take a cut into your market share. But now, complete 180, he, it sounds like he's pretty excited about this merger moving forward. And I think this is probably the best possible outcome that everyone could hope for, that we would bring all of the professional golf together and uh, function, you know, as one large powerhouse machine and not have such disparity and fighting and anger and just constant, like, endless golf news cycle about what the next Live player said or what the PGA, you know, mouthpiece said about Live. I mean, it's just, it gets old fast, okay? We just want to watch golf, man. Come on. So this is excellent because that means they're probably going to end the bickering and we're going to have more golf. Fantastic, all right? Now, one of the coolest things that I think is this means we're going to have our big name players that went to live back in the mix. Okay, obviously we're seeing a lot of these major players. Brooks Kepka won the PGA Championship. Okay, live player. You know there was a lot of speculation as to what Seth Wall said. I did a podcast on that to explain some of the. Uh, misunderstandings there and I'm glad that we won't have any more of that we will just have a celebration of you know a fantastic and amazing player winning a major championship or any event for that matter you know I'm also interested to see what's going to happen with like the uh, elevated events that the PGA Tour has got uh, and if that structure will change with this merger I mean who knows? I want to get into the nuts and bolts of this and hopefully they will release some sort of document or plan or something that explains what they plan on doing with all these, you know, this new merger and this new makeup for professional golf. But this was a perfect way for the PGA Tour to save face and welcome back the players that were banned. Okay, and here's here's my thought on this, all right? If you have some of the top players in the world, okay, Dustin Johnson, Cam Smith, Brooks Kepka, I mean, Bryson DeChambeau, I know Bryson's been struggling, you know, early on, but he's doing much better now. If you take all those big, well-known names and you pull them out of PGA Tour events, well, then obviously there's going to be some people who were fans of those players that are tuning into Live Golf because they want to see those particular players play. And when the PGA Tour came out and said, oh, no, we're banning them, that was a big move by them. I was super surprised because... You're basically saying you don't want a huge draw for the game to be able to come back and play in some of the tournaments that you're going to host or televise and get advertising off of. That's a big move. I mean, that's basically saying like, no, we're, you know, we don't want Dustin Johnson to come back and play on our tour because he snubbed us and went to live golf. Well, a lot of people who are Dustin Johnson fans are going to take that to heart because they're going to follow Dustin Johnson. You know what I mean? So that was big for the PGA Tour to say, 
you're banned. You're not coming back. But now we've got a merger. Now eligibility. Now we're all playing on the same team because we've agreed to share the money, split the money that we get from advertising and, and all that. And now we've got these players that were once banned becoming eligible again. You know, I don't see how with this merger they're going to keep that ban in place. And this was a very good way for the PGA Tour to save face because eventually what was going to happen is if the Live Golf Tour, and it's a big if, if the Live Golf Tour didn't make it, say after five years, they didn't have this merger, and which shows you that they were a bigger player than the PGA Tour was letting on because they wouldn't go into this merger if they didn't think Live Golf had something to seriously offer the other portion of the professional golf sphere, okay, your, your more traditional-based setup, 72-hole setup like PGA Tour and 54-hole like Live Golf, it shows you, shows the public and, and should show everyone that uh, Live Golf was making waves and in a good way, okay? So as many people saying, oh, Live Golf isn't going to make it, tell me why they decided to merge with them. Tell me why they didn't just say, you know what? Why don't you just keep doing like you're doing and you'll run out of money and time and interest and and you won't grow any larger than you already are right now. No, 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 no. Something something was in the works there where they recognize Live Golf has a good model and it's got some fans, it's got a following. The PGA Tour wants to grow golf. You heard it in uh, Monaghan's statement. And that's a, a, a perfect way to get some of the younger crowd that tracked towards live and bring them back in and mash them up with the PGA tour and the DP world tour and the player eligibility is a good thing too. So do you guys think this will be good for the game? Do you know, are are some of you out there listening? Are you diehard live fans? Are you diehard PGA tour fans? Do you just love golf for what it is and like to watch it in any way, shape or form like myself? Or, you know, do you just totally, uh, don't care either way. You know, I, I would like to know. Let me know what you think down in the comments below. I'd really appreciate it. And I, and I want to start a discussion to figure out how you guys feel about this and if it's good for the game of golf. I think it is. I believe it to be good because you're mashing up different styles and there's going to be new voices in the world of professional golf. And I think that's a good thing. Now, the one thing that I'm curious about is how the players feel about this because you know are they going to retroactively go back and award uh official world golf ranking points to the live golf players that were denied them because of the whole 72 hole versus 54 exhibition match craziness that they tried to spin out there and, and make us all believe which we realize that uh it's just a bunch of hogwash uh, but how do the players feel about this? The guys that stay with the PGA Tour, they're going to be like, hey, you know, I was loyal to you, and now you're telling me we're going to have a merger with the Live Golf guys who've basically been gone for a couple years and made crazy amounts of money while you just implemented the elevated events that are starting to pay the PGA Tour, uh, you know, traditionalists, shall we say, a little bit more money. So I wonder how that's going to shake out. You know, are there going to be hard feelings? Of course, obviously, you know, these guys are professionals. They were friends before. I'm sure they can be friends afterward. You know, there's been some very vocal members on both sides of the aisle there for the BGA Tour and the Live Golf Tour. So we'll see how that shakes out. And, you know, I'm interested to see what they're going to do for eligibility. You know, uh, if you're going to be able to play in the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour and the Live Golf Tour and they're merging it all into one, that's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. But the money. 
the money is also going to be, you know, a, a sticking point. And I wonder what players will be involved with this merger. Like, was this just done at the the uppermost level with, you know, the PGA Tour heads, the Live Golf Tour heads, the DP World Tour heads? Was this just done at the highest level without any player um, involvement? Because that's probably going to ruffle a few feathers down the line. You know, some of your stars on the PGA Tour, Live Golf Tour, they're probably going to have some things to say about that. You know what I mean? Like, what's that do to the fee structure? Now, Previously, you had, you know, the, the Live Golf members competing for a, a separate and distinct pot of, you know, $4 million per event. And then you had these PGA Tour players that were competing for a similar amount on these elevated events. But now you're going to have what? I mean, are they going to raise the, the purse? Are they going to go up to $6 million an event? Who knows? What are they going to do? Because now you're going to have those Live Golf players coming back in the line. I don't know if they're going to continue the Live Golf, if you're going to have cross eligibility from the PGA Tour and the Live Golf, and if the teams can like do kinds of, you know, like uh, some sort of draft or something like that where they can pull players from the PGA Tour or DP World Tour or how the eligibility is going to go. Can you have a PGA member qualify for and play on a Live Golf event? I mean, the the oh my gosh, my mind is, is just going crazy with the what-ifs and, and – you know, possibilities that this can create. But the good news is, is it's exciting for all of us. I, I really believe that it's going to be good for the game of golf. And I think that anyone out there who just, you know, is, is super upset about this is, is uh, give it some time, guys. Just give it some time. Let it develop. Let's see what, what comes of this. I told you guys early on that I believe that Live Golf was going to um, last that they were gonna they were gonna ride out the initial uh, storm of investment and this merger proves it that they had something going. You know, it didn't seem like it from the outside. A lot of PGA Tour mouthpieces were saying, uh, you know, they're they're it's an exhibition. They're, they they don't have the the uh, stamina. They don't have the ratings. They don't have this and this and that and all that mess. But then we saw Adelaide, and we saw that it was a packed house there in Australia, opening up a market for the PGA Tour, which previously has kind of been left alone. I mean, you don't see or hear about a lot of major events, especially not to the PGA Tour, being played in, in Australia. And I don't know why, okay? Why would you you abandon a huge golf fan base down there? And we saw that with Live Golf in Adelaide. So who knows if this, you know, I also wonder, will Live Golf function more as like a international tour you know what i mean like will they have maybe fewer events in the u.s but more events in europe asia australia all you know i'm, I'm interested to see how that's going to work out uh and i think that um you know regardless of how everything shakes out and who gets what and ends up where it will be good for golf because you're going to see some of those live players playing in PGA Tour events. I bet you you will see that happen. Okay, and the second they get eligible again for some of those events, I think you're going to start seeing some invitations go out. I'm just saying, you know what I mean. I mean, it may may take a little bit for it to roll back in, but the PGA Tour wants those really good household name players to be competing in their events because it's a it's a draw. It brings people to the event. It gets people watching on television, watching on, uh, you know, whatever streaming app they have, whatever subscription service they pay for. It brings money back to the tour because you've got big names that attract audiences. So that's it for the podcast today, guys. Thank you so much for listening. 
And as always, keep on swinging.